to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with the nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome to the board game community show. Today I am joined by Brenna Asplund from Red Raven Games. How you doing, Brenna? I'm doing all right. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. I'm you you guys are done with Distant Skies. Yep, we just finished up that uh, Game Found campaign, which went very well for us. So we were, we were excited about that for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm there's still so much work to do on it. I'm sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still tons of work to go. We still, uh, you know, we're still refining a bit of el- some elements of the design, and then uh, there's a lot of writing to do for the storybook still. Which we, we've started on it some, but there's, those are big storybooks for those games, so it takes a while to finish them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just wild. Like, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure uh, book novel that you're writing. Yeah, yeah. Probably more expansive than that, even. Oh, for sure. It's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting challenge as a writer because there's a lot of different systems you have to keep in mind as you're writing. So not only are you, uh, you know, working on the story elements and making sure the writing itself is good, you also have to always keep in mind sort of what the mechanical challenges are going to be that are going to be related to this story. And you've got to make sure that the formatting is correct and consistent in those mechanical bits so that the players don't get confused and uh, stuff like that. So there's uh, there's a lot of stuff to keep in mind and also to make sure that everyone is doing the same because between all the writers, we have to make sure that we're all on the same page with stuff like that. And that also all, you know, all the quests are going to interconnect properly. Every uh, branch leads to the right places, you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's there's a lot to keep in mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know like in the first Sleeping Gods, there was a quest. <laughs> you guys had like gotten rid of a quest and then there was a card that could never be used because you got yeah, rid of the quest and not yeah. the card. <laughs> well, well, I think what happened with that one actually is that uh, the quest that it was originally connected to is still in the storybook, but we came up with a different card for that quest. We like just changed, but we forgot to ever get rid of the old card from oh. the from the list of cards. So now it's not connected to anything because we replaced it, but we didn't get rid of it. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's such an expansive game. It's bound to happen. And literally, I don't think anybody would notice if you didn't tell them, right? Like, I read that or heard it on another interview or something. Honestly, Uh, it took a long time for anyone to even ask any questions about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, because it's like you're not necessarily going to unlock everything. Exactly. I mean, so you have to play the entire rest of the game pretty thoroughly to start noticing, hey, Where's that thing? Why isn't this in here at all? It's like, okay. That's what, when people started being like, oh, I'm trying to 100% complete this and I can't find this. Where is this? That was when we actually, that was actually when we noticed ourselves because we hadn't noticed before. And so we went and looked into it and we we're like, oh, well, that actually that doesn't exist in the game. You can't actually get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Our bad. Uh, yeah. That's kind of, it's a fun little mistake type thing. Like, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, in some of our previous games, there actually are a few sort of hidden Easter eggs in the storybooks occasionally. So that could have been one of those. It it wasn't in this case. But, you you know, (laughs) in a way. I hope that in Distant Skies, there's like a reference to that card or something. I don't know. You know, like just a little nod back of like, oh, unobtainable amulet whatever <laughs> could be fun for sure yeah uh, uh, uh if if anyone's listening who's playing sleep who plays sleeping gods uh the stone of music is the one that you can't pick up anywhere 
Oh, right. There's, there's a card for it, but it's not connected to anything in the storybook. <laughs> I meant to bust that out. Oh, you can see it over my shoulder. My Red Raven games actually are all there. Always, always nice to see them lined up on a shelf like that. They look quite nice. I need more Red Raven games. Yeah. I had uh, ordered Now or Never, and then the order ended up getting canceled. So I haven't oh, gotten my no. hands on it since then. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it. I will. Uh, yeah, honestly, the the pandemic has caused a lot of stocking issues with board games. We've had a lot harder time keeping our games on the shelves just because of, you know, supply chain stuff and all that jazz, you know, which is unfortunate. But when I feel like, you know, anytime a big game like I mean, Ryan or Red Raven Games, you two, are you two the only full time employees there? Yeah, we're the only full-time employees. Um, Mallory, Ryan's wife, also uh, works with us a lot. Uh, she's not necessarily full-time, but she's very involved in everything. And then we have, yeah, a handful of other people who come in and out and who do some part-time and temporary work for us sometimes. But yeah, as far as full-time employees, it's me and Ryan, basically. <laughs> so, so, hold on one second. Am I grab something? Yeah. Um, okay. <clears throat> People won't be able to see this, but I, yeah, yeah. uh, your name was familiar and I was like, Oh, you know what? I wonder if we've had an interaction before. And so I went through my typed in your name on my email and sure enough, it came up. Uh, oh. when I had ordered near and far, I got like a defect. And so I contacted and you were the person that replied and yeah. it's, my favorite, like, I will never get rid of this board, this near and far uh, board, because, like, on this side, you can see English, and then on this side, it's uh, it's Spanish. Oh, yeah, I actually, I remember your request, because that was an odd one. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, <laughs> and I just love it so much. Like, I probably wouldn't have even... Uh, like brought it up um, if it was the other way, but like, you know, when you're playing standard, it, you're playing on that dusk side. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But if it was like the daytime side that was Spanish, like I don't think I've ever played on that side and I've played this game quite a bit it's in wow, my top yeah. five favorite games. Anyways, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> which this was like your kind of, audition your interview <laughs> your interview for them was this game right near and far yes yeah actually the the first when i went in for the actual interview for the job we played a prototype of near and far as part of the interview and then yeah that was the first of uh, major game that i worked on after joining the company <laughs> that and is so it, cool yeah it was a very fun process uh and in playtesting near and far, I got known as the person who was there to break the game in so that like every time that we would play, I would like beat everyone terribly and then be like, okay, how do we nerf whatever Brenna was doing? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, you weren't necessarily like a gamer before you worked with Red Raven, right? Not no, like a um, I was, I've casually, I've always enjoyed board games. Like I would play like, Settlers of Catan and stuff growing up, which is very basic. But yeah, I wasn't big into the hobby until I uh, got this job. And that kind of introduced me more to the more serious hobby gaming, which I really enjoy. I've always liked board games. I just didn't really know what was out there as much, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how so many of my interviews start as we talk about how they got into board games and it's like, Oh, you know, I was playing like settlers of Catan and yeah, eventually yep. got like introduced <laughs> to something else and then something else. And it's just like this bolt, this, uh, boulder that keeps building. It's the opposite. Yeah, What's a yeah. snow, snow boulder. What is that? Yeah, called? Snowball. Snowball. Yeah, snowball. snowball effects. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> For <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> I'm real smart. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, so now you're into the hobby. How how long have you worked at Red Raven? Oh, since uh, 2016. So quite a while now. Yeah, six ish years. Do that math. Yeah, six ish years for That's sure. Awesome! Wow. Yeah. Um, and so and now you're like immersed in the hobby. So what's what's your favorite game? Non Red Raven game. 
Yes. Okay. My favorite non-Red Raven game. This is also going to sound super basic, but um, Azul. I really love Azul. (laughs) Like just the, the, everyone loves the components and stuff, but I just personally, I enjoy sort of puzzly games. So I like, I like games that make you have to think about like patterns and like uh, setups of things to like try to maximize points. So that that's very uh, up my alley. Uh, similarly, I really enjoy Sagrada. And then uh, recently, I've been getting really into roll and write games, just mm-hmm. in general. So uh, I, yeah, I, that's a bit of an overview of my personal taste in games. So. I love it. Yeah, we love. We play Summer Pavilion. Um, I just tried the regular Azul, and that's a lot of fun. Yeah, We've been yeah. getting into rolling rights. And so, I, yeah, I feel it. Sagrada is yeah, amazing. The, those ones are great. Yeah, those, those puzzly games are some of the few that I can actually get some of my family members to play with me, too. Like uh, my mom and one of my siblings also have that sort of puzzly mindset that I do. So I can get them to play stuff like Sagrada and Azul with me, and then usually they'll beat me at it. But <laughs> it's, it's fun to be able to play with them because uh, I don't actually have that many people in my like main social orbit who are that into games, which can make it a challenge to find people to play with sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel you. I'm trying to recruit and make new gamers around me. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's tricky. Um, what What about Red Raven game? Do you have a favorite Red Raven game? So, yeah, actually, this is not going to come as a surprise given everything I just said. But my, my personal favorite Red Raven game is Rome. Nice. Because it, it kind of has that spatial puzzle element to it. So So I really enjoy that. I love hearing that. That I feel like not enough people have pr- have played Rome, but it is so good. Yeah, that's that's one of our smaller box games, and we did it straight to retail, so it went under the radar a bit more. But it is one of our Arzium games, so it's set in the same world as like Near and Far and Above and Below, and, but it's like a small box game with a bit more of a puzzle element to it. And yeah, I think a lot more people would enjoy it if they if they were able to discover it cuz i think it's a really fun one. Yeah. It's a really it's a really quick playing game too so it's good as like a filler game or like the start of your uh game night if you're going to play bigger games later or whatever. But it's 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 a personal favorite of mine for sure. I agree. That one's so good. And actually, uh I you and I haven't talked about this, but I talked to somebody else about this and confirmed you and I were at an event together. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I had won Rome at that event. It was a uh, Protocon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And so Protocon, literally like the month before pandemic I know. Started. I was like, that was right before everything locked down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we were at that event together, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure I would have. Maybe I would have seen you. I don't know. But. It's possible. I have a terrible memory and I talk to lots of people at events and then immediately forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Cause that was like, uh, so Dustin Dowdle, who, you know, yeah, he's the one that introduced me to like the design guild and everything of the board game designers guild of Utah. And so like he, that was my first time, like ever being around other designers or, oh, awesome, or, you know, like people, other board gamers, even really <laughs> like, I didn't yeah, know there was yeah. this huge hobby. Uh, I just thought it was niche. Um, so I thought that was a really cool event overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's Getting a lot of fun. Getting to see so many prototypes and stuff. It was pretty cool. We're in the middle of planning the next one. We had we were going to do it in January, and I, I signed up to be on the planning committee. But then, you know, like a month or two before, numbers were starting to spike. And so we were like, yeah, let's cancel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's yeah. it's going to be tough to run events for a while still, I feel. Yeah, yeah. And so we just met last weekend and we're like, well, maybe we'll do like a really small one, like, yeah, maybe even smaller than the first time, uh, just in case it has to like cancel again or yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Talking about Rome real quick, because I do want to plug that and I tell people to play that all the time. I like show that to non gamers and gamers and I've never had anyone not like it. Absolutely. Me too. I've I've made like my cousins play play it with me and stuff who are not bo- big gamers. And actually, uh, a fun fact is that uh, one of my siblings who actually 
hates board games. Like that's been one of her established <laughs> traits since she was a kid is that she just cannot stand board games. Play tested Rome when it was still in like in the play testing oh. stage and didn't hate it. So that's a pretty big uh, vote of confidence. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say so. <laughs> that she was like, she could not, she actually helped us out at Gen Con one, one year and uh, made Ryan feel so bad because he was trying to explain a game to her and she like <laughs> was so miserable and like wanted to cry and he was he felt so guilty and it's like, no, Ryan, it's not your fault. <laughs> she just really hates uh, That. So my wife is kind of similar in the sense of like, I'll teach a game and she is miserable learning the game, miserable through the first play. And then usually after, yes. like we played Wingspan, actually even near and far, she was like, this sucks. I hate this. I hate this. And then when we're finished, she's like, oh, I get it now. Okay, now I like it. Like, and so, you know, we played through the whole campaign together. Yeah, and, yeah. And had a lot of fun doing it. But, but it's always that like teach. That's the hardest part. Yes. Oh, for sure. For sure. With that. So like you didn't originally plan on going into board games, though. No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I my degree is in English. Uh, With that, I honestly didn't have anything that specific in mind that I wanted to do. (laughs) Uh, uh, Something with writing generally. So when uh, the opportunity for this job came along and I, I knew I would get to sort of do a variety of things, but then also writing would be part of it. Cause again, I joined with near and far with that uh, storybook element to it. And I got to do some of the stories in that game. Uh, I like had to jump on the opportunity because I'm like, this sounds like a, a fun, interesting job that will, I'll get to use my skills in and I'll always be getting to do new things. So I was, I was very excited about that opportunity and I've, I've enjoyed the job ever since. Do you, like, are you ever writing something and Ryan comes back with like, oh, you know, that doesn't quite fit the tone or do you have moments like that? Like, because reading through the book, I don't think anybody can tell you oh, know, yeah. who wrote what. You, yeah, The for tones sure. always match. Interestingly, one of my, uh, one of my sort of natural skills as a writer has always been matching other people's tones which works really well for this sort of collaborative writing. Cause I can just sort of read through what Ryan has written already and be like, okay, I'll just match that. And then usually I can blend my own writing in pretty well with uh, what's going on um, with sleeping gods. Specifically, there were a few stories I initially wrote that ended up being tossed out and I had to write different ones to replace them specifically because, you know, a lot of our RZM games, we have a bit uh more of a humorous tone to some of the stories sometimes. Uh, but with, with sleeping gods, we were trying to be a little bit more on the serious side and maybe even verging into horror occasionally, not like seriously, but like some more frightening elements and uh, more serious overall. So some of my initial stories for sleeping gods were just too funny. So uh, Ryan and Mallory had to come back to me and be like, okay, these don't quite, fit enough they're they're very they're very funny but that doesn't work for this game so then i had to had to write something else to put in there instead which i understood but thought was a bit of a shame because i liked i liked my other stories as well but i think it it does work better for the tone of the game overall to have had those taken out i mean i was writing so many stories that by the end of i was kind of uh you know getting a bit wild with my concepts so <laughs> just to come up with new stuff. So yeah, I understood when they were taken out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, do you, are there things that you draw from like um, literature, other literature inspiration or movies or TV type thing when you're writing? Yeah. Uh, it depends a bit on the specific project. Uh, although in general, one of my biggest personal influences is just uh, Terry Pratchett and his like Discworld series. That's a huge influence on me. And then, yeah, just sort of like a little bit of everything, especially for these really big games. Like I'm always having to look to new places for inspiration because I have to come up with, you know, so many new ideas. I've loved how the artwork and everything has been very like a, very representative. I don't know. Like it, there's good representation in the artwork and then the yeah. stories. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think, 
I heard or read somewhere that there's like even going to be like a gay couple in the new one. Or yeah, yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Nice. I I I feel uh, lucky that Ryan is letting me write that. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah, because I I I am gay myself, which uh, is probably obvious to anyone who looks at me, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, that's always been uh, sort of a, a value at Red Raven. And, you know, ever since I've been a part of the company, Ryan's always thinking each new game, like, how can we make this uh, more diverse, more inclusive? And that's always something we're working towards to, uh, to be better each game than we were on the last you know that's really cool i'm next trans get some trans characters eh? yeah yeah hopefully uh it was with some of that stuff it's interesting to find ways to include them in our world just because sort of the way the stories work we don't necessarily always dive that deep into characters backstories and stuff yeah like uh part of why i think it took so long to get you know uh, a gay couple on screen in one of these games is just because there's barely any couples in these games. Like there's very little romance happening in any of the stories of these games. <laughs> well, let's face it. It's usually like you're avenging somebody or yes, like, uh-huh. uh, you know, like pretty much widowed. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's true. I also like, it's hard with, I find trans is one of the hardest to like represent because to be respectful, like when I'm writing or doing something with it, like, I just call them he or she, you know, like, and refer to them as their Mm -hmm. pronouns. But it's like, well, how do you tell somebody they're trans? Like, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, that's that's what is, I think, what would be the biggest uh, hurdle trying to get a trans character one of these games, which I think would be great to do. I would love to be able to do that. It's just, yeah, finding a, a... a subtle way to inform the audience that they're trans without you know, making it a huge thing or, or having, you know, a big transphobic moment on screen, which you don't necessarily want to foreground the trauma of trans people in order to get them represented. But right. uh, it, it can be hard sometimes to find a, a subtle way to work that fact into the story. Uh, but that that's a challenge that would be f- good for us to tackle sometimes, sometime, I think, for sure. It, yeah. I, I would I look forward to seeing how you guys would handle it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. But great job on everything, you know, up to now even. So yeah. So you know, working with Ryan and mm-hmm. working with you, you're playtesting games. Uh, you're looking at other games. You're doing all these things. Um, do you have any aspirations to design your own game? Yeah, uh, actually, where my interest lies in terms of design is actually. Uh, kind of with tabletop RPGs. Hmm. So uh, I've always been sort of into like, as a young kid, I played some, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, of course, is the one that you play. But I also played a bit of um, Werewolf that's part of the like Apocalypse World series and stuff. And then sort of as an adult, I've been getting more and more into sort of the indie RPG space and the sort of interesting things that are going on there and the like newer sort of role playing mechanics that people are coming up with that are sort of branching away from D&D is like the basic concept. Uh, And I find those all super fascinating from a design perspective. So I have had some thoughts before about like, potentially designing sort of an Arzium RPG and uh, stuff to go along with that. And we actually did a big play test a few years ago of a version of that, which turned out to uh, probably not fit our line of games as well as it might have. So if that yeah. ends up being a project the company pursues at some point, it will probably be very overhauled from where it was at that point. But yeah, in terms of game design, that's sort of where my interest lies is more with that RPG space rather than with a with a board game as such. I love uh, hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just saying, I've also made a few like just text adventure games on like the computer myself, but uh, probably no major projects coming up with that. But that also is something that interests me a bit is more on the computer side. But yeah, probably not not board game proper so much. 
Well, that's cool. That's really fun to hear. And I I love hearing that, you know, there there at least at one point was an Arzium like uh TZRPG in the works or like idea floating around there. I yep. I often ask people like, is there a an IP that you want to see of board games, like a movie or something of, and like the RZM universe is always the number one thing that pops into my head. Like would love to see like a book series or graphic novels or uh, a T like Netflix, right? Come on. Yeah, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Give us like an animated RZM series. That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> we we have heard that a lot, and it definitely would be cool to be able to do something like that one day. So, oh, yeah, Netflix, send us an email. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. I know they're listening to this show. Obviously. They're Why wouldn't they? Keeping, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that would be really cool. Um, I don't know if, like, uh, like as you as a writer, right, uh, mm-hmm. that's your thing, do you – do you have like uh, aspirations to write a novel or anything else? Like even outside of Red Raven games, you know, this isn't necessarily oh, yeah. anything there. Yeah, for sure. I actually write a lot in my free time still of uh, okay. short stories and novels. I've got several completed novels in the trunk that I am not doing much with, but I have other others in the works and stuff. Hopefully one day uh, one of them will get published in some, in some respect, but yeah, that it, I've like, being a writer is such an intrinsic part of myself. I don't think I could ever give that up. So I'm always going to be uh, working on something of a personal project in, in on that side of things. Yeah, I'm just always having ideas, always writing stuff. Very cool. I love that. Do you are are any of them like published anywhere? Like even short stories or anything? Uh, I had a few poems published in like school journals when I was in college, but nothing major beyond that. Oh, that's cool though. Yeah. That's fun. Do you, will you recite a poem for me? No, I'm just, just oh. kidding. <laughs> to, to put you on the spot. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Well, that actually tying two things together, you know, talking about you, you're being, uh, you liking RPGs. Are you a DM? Are you the G- GM, the game master, or a player? Um, I have been the GM occasionally. None of the games I've GM'd for have lasted that long. So <laughs> I tend more towards the player side of things. Uh, I unfortunately don't get many groups together these days, so it's been a while since I've actually played. But I listen to a lot of actual play podcasts. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. They're fun. What What are your favorites? Oh, my absolute favorite is one called Friends at the Table. I don't know if you've heard of it. I haven't but, heard of it. Uh, they play a lot of different games. They do like extended campaigns and then sometimes like shorter campaigns in between. But they're always doing different systems. So that's actually part of what got me interested in the uh, RPG design like the of the systems themselves. Because they're always doing new systems and like they are very sort of upfront about the actual playing of the game. So they discuss the the systems pretty thoroughly. And just a lot of those concepts were so fascinating to me. It really got my brain like moving on like how those different mechanics can work to create stories, you know, to encourage you to tell different types of stories through the mechanics. Yeah, that is really cool. I may have to check that one out. I listen, I don't listen to a lot of actual plays. I listen to like, the Adventure Zone and Dungeons yep. and Daddies. Yep. Um, no, I fun. actually, I actually started with the Adventure Zone. Was my first one that me got too. me into all of it. So. <laughs> oh, actually, Harmontown. Did you ever listen to Harmontown? No, I didn't. I've heard, oh, okay. I've heard of it, but I haven't listened to it. Um, the the other one I've been getting really into recently is uh, Roll Twenty. Oh yeah, is, which is fun. Uh, their their most recent Starstruck Odyssey campaign that was like this sci fi campaign is one of my all-time favorite actual play campaigns i think it was really it was really entertaining oh that's cool that is really cool my favorite is one called friend info adventure co no i'm just kidding that's one i that's mine oh nice because <laughs> of course who does you know like i have a <laughs> yeah oh no i we've i've joked about it before like a a lot of people in my family we we will joke sometimes that my immediate family is kind of like an improv comedy troupe 
Oh, nice. And we, we tend towards the comedic. So we we briefly got a campaign going a while ago that we were uh, jokingly referring to as the Dungeons and Boy Bands campaign. <laughs> that was uh, that was an all barred. A uh, campaign where oh we, it, with like a unique setting made by my sibling who was DMing it, and there was all sorts of entertaining stuff in it, including like there was like egret mail, and then uh, my my character was like a worshiper of the sound cloud that was like a deity, and this <laughs> and there's like all sort of like a semi fantastical, semi modern setting that it was so funny. That we were joking that we should start uh, we should start a podcast with it, but uh, I don't think we are actually consistent enough to do that, but it would be entertaining <laughs> if we did. I'm pretty sure. Well, uh, yeah, I would listen to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's actually why I did the podcast for it uh, was because I was like, okay, if I do a podcast and I have people that are committed to like making a podcast, then that's a, an excuse to play like nearly every week. For sure. That is one way to trick people into getting to a regular uh, campaign yeah. for sure. <laughs> It's like, hey guys, we have to we have a schedule to keep up with. You got to Yeah, this is a real commitment. Yeah. <laughs> we don't make any money doing this or anything, but it it matters, okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you should. There you go. That's how you trick your family into consistently That's a good playing. Point. That's a good point. Got to get got to get working on that. Yeah. <laughs> you can just say you're recording it and be like, "Yeah, yeah, we've got to build up a backlog first though." Oh yeah, okay? yeah. Then- of course. <laughs> <laughs> good idea uh, hundred episodes in you're like no 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 we're still busy up that backlog uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um so i guess let's dive outside of board games and rpg games i guess uh what other stuff do you like to do oh you know uh normal stuff i watch a lot of tv i play a lot of uh like video games and i read read a lot of comics oh nice yeah <sighs> Girl after my own heart here. Yeah. I love this. Uh, <laughs> let's dive into each one of those for a second. Okay. So okay. first you said TV shows. I'm yep. a big TV guy. What What are you watching? Uh, currently just a bunch of random stuff. There's not any shows that I'm super into that have just, uh, that are currently airing. But uh, I really enjoyed Moon Knight. I recently watched that, which uh, I'm actually a bit of a tough sell on the MCU these days. So I was I was uh, impressed by how good that one was. Nice. Uh, my favorite TV show of all time is Black Sails. Uh, I haven't watched that. Oh, it's so good. The trailers always looked really intense. Yeah. Oh, it's a very intense show. It's very dark, uh, especially season one. So I always try to warn people about that if they're going to watch it. Like, watch out for season one because it, it it's rough in some places but <laughs> if you get if you get through the whole series it's absolutely worth it it tells an incredible sort of overall story that like once you've completed it you want to go back and watch it again and then even the first season is so much better having the full context of the whole series oh. you know it's 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 really rare these days to see a super well-written long-form show that like has a tight plot and like really concise themes and is like doing something with the whole story it's telling. And so that one is just very impressive to me. That one's absolutely my favorite. Um, On more of the comedy side of things, I really like um, uh, Schitt's Creek is a very good, very good show. Yes. (laughs) My wife and I went to like, go see them live. Oh yeah. Before the final season, they were doing like a tour of just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. So yeah, cool. yeah, that one's really good. I really like the old uh, an older sitcom called Happy Endings. I'll rewatch that occasionally. It's like really my comfort show. <laughs> I always look at that one and I'm like, would I like this? I don't know. I should try. And so now I feel like I yeah, think I'll try I think it. you would, it has a fun sense of humor. You know, it's very uh, it's very sitcom, but at the same time, it kind of has its own voice to it that is that is just exactly the sort of thing I enjoy. So it was very well targeted at me, but I think it's, a, I think it's a very fun show. Nice. Oh yeah. I'll give it a try. Okay. And then next you said video games. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'm a big Bioware person. I like a, mm. all those dragon age and uh, mass effect games. Recently I've been playing Ollie Ollie world, which has been fun. I'm it's a, it's like this skating game, which is, 
And it's very, very difficult, which is odd for me because I usually don't like difficult games. So, but I've been really sticking to it and I managed to at least get through the main story. So that was Oh, nice. But that one a is like really cute kind of, right? Like the, it's very It is, artsy. yeah. Yeah, I like, I like a lot of cute, artsy uh, and interesting like indie games is definitely the sort of stuff I go for. And then um, Farming Sims. I've oh. always been a huge farming sim person from a young age. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, do you play like Farming Simulator? Not that one, actually. I've never okay. actually played Farming Sim because that one seems like more of a bit more of a serious like sim sim. Okay. I yeah. tend to like the stuff like like Harvest Moon was what I got started out with, and then uh, also Stardew Valley and all th- those. Games along those lines, I tend to put hundreds of hours into. Well, you are not missing out on Farming Simulator, so stick yeah, to those. Yeah, those are a lot yeah. better. I love Stardew Valley, yeah. Okay, great. And then the last thing was... Oh, shoot. What was the last one? Uh, comics. Comics, yes. Comics. Yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's been a while since I've been into Western comics, although I was as a teenager. Mostly I read a lot of manga, so I read a lot of Japanese comics of the uh, more obscure variety because like I feel like what gets popular in the US is usually the shonen stuff so that's stuff like for boys I tend to be more into the stuff that's like written like for girls so stuff that's like interpersonal dramas and oh nice uh, maybe like melancholy fantasy but like uh, not the sort of upbeat actiony thing that you get for uh, the shonen stuff but uh, I really enjoy a lot of those and then for Western comics, when I did read them, uh, my favorite superhero, I was into DC more than Marvel. I don't know if that already makes me a villain, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, especially in the comics, I feel like DC's got some good comics. So. Yeah, and that's what uh, I was huge into, specifically Booster Gold, between oh. like, and like, between like the 52 crossover event and the new 52 reboot was like when I was most obsessed with comics and I was super into Booster Gold and like all of the characters connected to him and then the new 52 hit and I never forgave DC and I never went back to Western comics again. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I don't remember new. F- <laughs> I don't remember Booster Gold's getting like a lot of praise in uh, the new 52. No, they basically ruined his character and he. it, it was a shame because he had a lot of really interesting character growth and development and became like a really cool character in that like between period between the 52 crossover event and the new 52 he had like a really great solo run that was like going some really cool places and then they just completely cut that off and like ruined his character and then i'm like okay well screw you dc i'm never reading a western (laughs) comic again (laughs) (laughs) done with you whatever yep i feel that I sat, but I, I actually relate to that. Like uh, on the manga side of like, I I would prefer more interpersonal conflicts. Like when I'm watching a movie, I was watching a movie yesterday and I was like, okay, like let's get through the action scene. Yes. Like, this is yes, boring. This is generic. Absolutely. Like, like, okay. Yeah. I care that you're fighting because of this reason, but I care more about the reason and the resolution and the drama and like, give me all that stuff. Absolutely. Which is why even even with the action series, I tend to be in stuff that's uh, more into stuff that's written by women because it tends to be more like it has more of that like emotional core to it, whereas a lot of and and tends to be just more of a storytelling style that I enjoy more. Um, so there's like one comic called um, called Delicious in Dungeon is the name of it uh, for the English release. Which it's going to sound very goofy, which it is sort of very goofy. The concept of it is it's kind of a, I guess, kind of a JRPG style fantasy world where there's like dungeons to delve and stuff. And in this case, there's like a party of adventurers down at the bottom of a dungeon. And one of them gets like eaten by a dragon and the rest are like transported out of the dungeon to save them when they're like losing in this fight against the dragon. And then uh, so they're determined to go rescue the girl who was eaten by the dragon because if they can get to her fast enough she can still be resurrected because it's again jrpg sort of logic so like you can be resurrected if you die in the dungeon and Mm -hmm. uh but they don't have time to like gather the supplies that they need to make that deep of a delve so they're like okay we're just gonna kill and eat and like cook and eat monsters as we go so it has this kind of like weird 
recipe book element to it where oh every gosh. chapter they like kill and cook and eat a monster and it like will give you like a little semi recipe of how they cooked like the cockatrice or whatever <laughs> and so it's got this sort of humorous tone to it but it also is like genuinely really sort of kind of dark and emotional at times and has these really interesting core characters that's just like one of the best currently running comics out there in my opinion it is so good <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Uh, I think that sort of ties maybe to Distant Skies where you guys have the pre like the the introductory mission is like a comic, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Ryan did a comic that's like the intro to the game and also does a little bit of tutorialization to like onboard you into the campaign and that's that's being done through a comic this time, which is really exciting. Did you have anything to do with that? Uh, I did not. That was Ryan's idea. I did have some feedback. He showed me an early draft of the of the comic and I got to give a bit of feedback on it. But yeah, that was uh, Ryan decided to tackle that on his own this time. Yep. Nice. OK. Uh, I was wondering if, you know, the whole tie of the. <laughs> the yeah, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> that's cool, though. Um, no, that sounds really interesting. What was that uh, manga called again? Delicious, Delicious in Dungeon. In Dungeon. OK. Yeah. You mm-hmm. may have to check this out. Yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> perfect well let's go i mean is there anything else you want to touch on the hobbies outside of um honestly that's all i can think of at the moment but yeah i, I also watch a lot of movies just obscure stuff but i i and music listen to lots of music oh, i, I am that because you had the boy band uh yeah yeah RPG. yeah yeah i'm 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 actually uh Recently was going to go to a Mountain Goats concert and then caught COVID and couldn't go, which was a shame. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm very much into music. I have a massive vinyl record collection, embarrassingly. Uh, <laughs> I, I tend to be a hipster in anything that I'm into. So I'm always into weird, obscure stuff. But the Mountain Goats is probably one of the biggest, most well-known bands that I'm super into. Um, I went to see uh, Big Thief in concert recently, actually, before I caught COVID, and that was really cool. Uh, just generally kind of indie rock and um, alt country and Japanese indie rock bands and all, all sorts of weird stuff. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. Very different. Yeah. I used to collect vinyls, too, but it was like Frank Sinatra and like I would go like super old uh, yeah, and yeah. Occasionally get like modern bands, but yeah, I'm into I'm into a lot of modern bands, or at least from from the '90s up tends to be <laughs> '90s up. Yeah. Well, yeah. did you go to school around here? Yeah, I went to school. I actually went to Payson High School. Oh, okay, so a bit down south. Yeah, I was Bingham. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. For listeners, since they didn't hear the beginning of our conversation, we're both in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like 15 minutes away from each other. Yeah, I, I grew up in Santaquin, which is a tiny little town oh. at the at the southern edge of the sort of metropolitan, like Wasatch metropolitan area. But yeah, I haven't lived there in ages, but I did grow up there. Didn't have its own high school, had to go to the next high school over. Uh, I was a teenager by the time they built the first uh, traffic light. So oh, wow. <laughs> gives you a bit of an idea of what a small town it was. That is wild. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's cool. Uh, okay, well, let's go to Ridiculous Theme. Uh, so in Ridiculous yeah. Theme, we come up with a Ridiculous Theme for a board game. Uh, did you think okay. of one? Yes, I did think of one. This one's going to take a bit of an explanation because, uh, okay, so one of the weird genres of comics I'm into is a weird subgenre called isekai. So that involves uh, sort of being transported to another world, either through like a portal or uh, frequently through like reincarnation. So like you die in this world and then you get reborn in like the world of a novel you were reading before you died as one of the characters, but you still remember your past life and like the uh, way that the novel went originally and you have to like plan around that. So that sort of thing. Uh and so I was thinking it would that would be a really fun concept for a board game sort of maybe along the lines of something like time stories where so you like in 
you are people who have been reincarnated into the world of a novel. And so you know the plot of the novel and you have a certain amount of time to try to like uh, change your fate or something because you're a character who dies in the novel or something like that. Uh And then you could have to sort of replay the game. Like if you die, then you get reborn again in the same spot where you started. So it could be an interesting sort of like storytelling a mystery style game where you're trying to work your way through a puzzle of sort of how to change the plot of this novel you're stuck in so that you don't get, so you don't get executed by the King or whatever your ultimate fate is in this world. So that, (laughs) that could be, that could be a fun out there theme for a board game. Yeah. I like that. I think that's really good. There's kind of like some, uh, what's the video game genre of like roguelite. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I love that idea. Um, and my brother is like really into anime. I, I watch like certain ones. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he he showed me one that was like gelatinous cube. Like somebody gets yep. like resurrected as a gelatinous cube in a fantasy world. Right? Yeah, like, that's that's one of those for sure. Yeah. So I didn't <laughs> know there was like an official name for that type oh, of yeah, show. It's- it's like a huge genre now. There's so there's a lot of them. So the one that uh, with the cube in it again, the, it's weird because even in this genre, there is kind of a shonen shojo split. So like the gelatinous cube is more of one of the ones that's aimed at boys, and then there's like a whole bunch of them that are aimed at girls that are like these weird sort of fantasy romances that have these reincarnation elements to them that oh I think goodness. are all really fun. That yeah. So there's there's it's a it's a surprisingly wide genre with a lot going on in it. <laughs> that is really interesting. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can delve into anything and find there's like subgenres and Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That is so cool. Sleeping Gods, that's coming at, well, Distant Skies. It's coming eventually. Um can people still, do you know if people can still like uh late pledge to it yeah so we'll have late pledges opening up in july and those will be open up through october so basically the same length of time that the pledge manager will be open we'll have like uh full late pledge options so definitely uh check that out on game found in july if you're interested perfect Uh, and then do you want to plug anything else that you have social media or websites or anything at all yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Aspland. I rarely post there these days, but you can follow me there. Uh, and then, yeah, Red Raven Games, you can follow at Red Raven Game without an S, because for some reason we couldn't get the plural there. <laughs> so just at Red Raven Game on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Brenna, for coming on. It was really, really fun chatting with her. And it's just cool to have someone from Red Raven Games. Red Raven Games is one of my favorite game companies. I think I don't think I've played a bad game from them. So go check out their games if you haven't. Go get Rome, especially. Rome is so good and it can be played quick. Uh, Near and Far is in my top five favorite games. And go, you know, go get in on Sleeping Gods Distant Skies in July. If you enjoyed the show, rate, review it on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show get seen. Also, just sharing it with people you think might like it, that helps. People have been really nice on Twitter recently sharing the show and sharing episodes they liked uh, or conversations. So I appreciate that a lot. If you're interested in hearing me on other things, you can... Oh, I talked about the actual play in this episode, so... Friend and Foe Adventure Co. It's more adult, so don't listen to it if that's not your type of thing. And that's okay. It's not for everybody. But we have a lot of fun doing it. And that's based on the Borderlands, Bunkers and Badasses, Tabletop RPG. And that's that. So, yeah. I am sorry for my voice. I have been sick. This morning I woke up and didn't even have a voice. So I'm glad that I was still able to do this interview. Uh, Brenna was just a blast and so nice. I'll talk about a game real quick that I played this week. Wonderland's War. Holy moly, that game is so sweet. So fun. The art is pretty. I love the area control aspect, the bag building, uh, the tea party phase. You're going around moving and 
landing on a card and taking it, whatever, you know, doing whatever it says, increasing your leader strength, uh, in, put troops on the board, and then the bag building, you know, put certain chips in there, uh, and then getting to draw out uh, during the war part, you're battling these different segments of Wonderland and pulling out chips at the same time as your opponents and trying to get the higher strength. I just think it's like, I love quacks. I do. But this is way better for me because quacks feels very, very heavy on the luck side. This felt really awesome because it was like, yeah, luck plays a part of it. But I also didn't feel like it was 100% luck or like 80% luck. I mean, what chips you grab in quacks matters. But in this, I just felt like there were a lot of really cool, important decisions that actually mattered. And the first, uh, at the end of the first round, I was worried that it was too, uh, too big of a lead. Like I had taken the lead and I was like 30 points ahead or something. I don't know what it was, 20, 30 points. And then uh, the next battle, all of the things are worth more. And I think I lost all of them that time. Like, uh, so I ended up lose uh it ended up being like closer and closer and by the end of the game it was like uh literally one victory so uh they just got unlucky or and or didn't place enough troops in the last location and if they had won that final location they would have won the game um but it was like you know it looked like it was a 14 point difference in the game but really that was just had they won this one area, it would have switched. I wouldn't have gotten those points. They would have gotten those points and they would have been in the lead by a few points. Uh, It was just, it's just so cool. Such a good game. Go check out Wonderland's War. I can't recommend it enough. And that's going to be it. Until next time, keep nerding out. Once when I was a kid, uh, we were playing a big game of Risk as a family And uh, as I mentioned before, I have one sister who hates board games. And so she wasn't playing officially, but she was kind of secretly playing as just jokingly as my like um, diplomatic advisor. So for a lot of the game, uh, she kept bribing one of my brothers every turn to not attack me by just giving him a piece of candy every turn. And then at the same time, my other brother and my dad were like busy fighting each other over in Europe. They were like so focused on fighting each other uh, that they didn't even notice as I was slowly taking over all of Asia. So I managed to get uh, control of Australia and all of Asia without my uh, dad and brother noticing. And my other brother was being bribed every turn to ignore me and not attack me. And so then by the time they noticed I was a serious threat, I just wiped the board with all of them. (laughs) And that's always been a fun memory for me of this, this fun little game of risk. We played as a family where I, uh, they didn't take me seriously as a threat and I managed to destroy all of them. (laughs) 